Well, good morning. It is so good to be here. And uh, every week when we gather together, since we've come back to in-person gatherings, I see faces of people who are coming back uh, into the building for the first time in a while, and it is always so good to see uh, just, you know, as we grow and continue to kind of just work some of this stuff out. Um, And so I'm glad to have you here with us today. As Nathan said, we've been walking through this series, Yours is the Kingdom, where we take a look at the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6. And, and I hope that while you've been going through this series in the month of August with us, that you've also been joining us as we've been reading through the book of Matthew. I've had so many people stop me and just say, hey, Kevin, you know, whether they grew up Catholic or just grew up in the church, that the Lord's Prayer is something they're familiar with, but they've loved the fact that we've slowed down and as we're taking a look at it piece by piece to see what is it that Jesus is really saying and and just how meaningful it has been for them. And so I hope that you've enjoyed walking through this with us. As we kind of review a little bit of where we've been, uh, just kind of to catch you up. You know, we began with this phrase, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy thy name, right? Uh, Hallowed is your name. And it was this place where we began the prayer establishing God's identity. Number one, he's our Father, and that he's in heaven, and that he has this name that is holy, Right? And then he, we, Jesus continued in the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. We, we hand over all control to God. Last week we, used the phrase, we looked at the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. We ask for God's provision. We ask for God to sustain us. And, and as we study the Lord's prayer, let me remind you that Jesus is standing on the side of a mountain teaching to a group of people. And what he's doing is, is he, he's establishing what he wants his kingdom to look like. He's really kind of taking a look at all the rules and all the things that ever came before him. And he's flipping them upside down. And, and prayer is no different. He's saying, hey, look, this is the way that I want you to pray from now on. As Nathan said, it's, it's a model prayer. And what we mean by a model prayer is that Jesus isn't saying, pray these words exactly. He's saying, this is how I want you to pray. And what that means is that, that what Jesus prays about, the themes that Jesus talks about, is really what we should be paying attention to. So that when we pray, we might be taking a look at some of those same themes. What's the subject matter? What's the order in which Jesus prays these things, right? We begin with this idea of who God is and just praising him for who he is. And then we ask for God's will to be done in our lives. We, we give over control, right, to God and say, God, I, I want what is best for me and I want what it is that you want for me. And when we finally get to a place where we begin to ask God for something in our prayers, I mean, that's really why we pray For most of the time, we're asking God for something. It's not for our future. It's not for some grand thing. It's, God, give us today what we need to survive. What are we doing when we're doing that? We're keeping God in control, and we're keeping ourselves reliant on God. And so Jesus sets up this model prayer for us, where where we stay constantly reliant on God for everything. And so today we look at the subject matter, the topic of forgiveness. And I want to define forgiveness as we're going to talk about it today for you. Uh, Kind of this big idea that's wrapping around this message. And it's this. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free. Now whether that's God setting us free 
and our forgiveness or us setting somebody else free by the act of forgiving someone. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free. As we said, we've been in the book of Matthew, and so if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Uh, We're in Matthew chapter 6. That's where this prayer is found. And in Matthew chapter 6, we're in verse 12 today, as we we look at just the small section of prayer where we talk about forgiveness. We're going to throw it up here on the screen. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, we see this small portion of prayer. It says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. That seems, man, it's really simple, it's concise, but there's so much to unpack here. There's so much for us to see as we look at this idea of forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a huge theme throughout the entire Bible. I mean, if we want to be really honest, it is the reason that Jesus came. There's two realities that we want to look at today when it comes to sin. And and just a reminder for you, when we talk about this idea of sin, sin is anything that misses the mark that God has established. God has an expectation of how we are to live. And anything that we do to miss that, anything that we do that is different than that, is sin. God has a standard, and if we miss that, we break that expectation that he has, and we have sin in our life. And so the first reality that we want to see is this. Number one, sin separates us from God. So we need forgiven. In the book of Ephesians, Paul, a missionary and apostle during the time of the New Testament, is speaking to a group of people about a time before they had accepted Jesus, a time before they were saved. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says to them, Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship. Uh, Paul says that before you were slaves, before you were forgiven, you were separated from Christ. This is this idea that, that our sin separates us from God. We have a sin problem. Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament reminds us that we all have a sin problem. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, he says this. He says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah says, look, look, we're all kind of like sheep. We all just tend to stray away from our master. We all tend to just go our own way. And this going our own way breaks this covenant with God. And it says that the Lord has laid on one, that is Jesus, the sins of us all. And so we we realize that we all have this sin problem. And so in this prayer, Jesus is prompting us to ask for forgiveness. Now let me tell you that there is power in confessing our sins to God. And that there is healing in acknowledging our sins to God. So many of us want to keep our sins hidden in the dark. If I talk about it, even to God, it's going to cause me to have to deal with it. It becomes real. And I might even have to go and do something about it. And so we like to bury that. 
You know, we, we don't want to talk about it to our, to our spouse. We don't want to talk to it, talk about it with our best friend. We don't want to talk about it with our pastor. And we don't even want to talk about it sometimes with God because, because talking about it makes it real. And when it's real, I'm forced to have to do something about it. So we keep it hidden. We keep it buried and we carry the weight around with us. And let me tell you, Jesus came to offer freedom. Uh, freedom is that I don't, I don't carry that with me anymore. I don't, I don't have that burden. I don't have that weight. I don't have that guilt. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to offer forgiveness. And when we bring things out of the dark and into the light, there's healing and there's peace and there's forgiveness. And so Jesus prompts us in this prayer to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for all the ways that I mess up. I'm sorry for all the ways I fail you. I'm sorry for all the sin that I've got in my life. Father, forgive me for my sins. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, John says this. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I love that verse because in that verse is a promise. That if we're willing to confess our sins to God, that he is willing to forgive us. Do you believe that God is faithful in his promise to forgive? Or do you sometimes think that it doesn't apply to you? How many of you have ever thought that your sin is too great to be forgiven? Or that there's got to be something that you have to do. You've got to make up for it in some way. You've got to do enough good to make up for the bad that you've done in your life. The prophet Isaiah that we just read from before was given a vision from God. God had a mission for Isaiah. Isaiah, he he wanted Isaiah to take this message of hope to the people of Israel. And he wanted Isaiah to be his messenger. And so he gives Isaiah this vision in which God gives him this, this, this task. And Isaiah comes to him and he says, look, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah is basically saying, I'm unworthy. I, I can't do this thing that you've got for me, God. And in the vision, an angel comes down and, and he touches Isaiah's lips with this hot coal and he tells him, he says, see... This has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away. Your sins are forgiven. And in the vision that Isaiah has, God then asked, he says, who shall I send to deliver this message to my people? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord. Send me. You see, guilt traps us in bondage and grace sets us free. In one moment, Isaiah felt unworthy to deliver this message. And in the next moment, he feels empowered. What changed? He experienced forgiveness. He experienced the freedom of being set free from his guilt. And God says, you know what? You're my son and you are worthy. Martin Luther says that when he looks in the mirror, he says, oh, what a sinner. But when he looks at Jesus, he says, oh, what a savior. See, when we see ourselves, we see the sin. But do we understand and realize that when we look at Jesus, we have access to forgiveness and grace? Do you believe that forgiveness is available to you? Let me tell you this morning, it is 
through Jesus. The second reality that we want to deal with this morning is this. Sin separates us from others. So we need to forgive. Sin doesn't just come between us and God. You're right, it does that, and, and that's bad. But it also comes between us and other people. I mean, how many relationships have been destroyed because of sin? How many marriages lost? How many relationships ended? How many of you have had a relationship, friendship, dating relationship, marriage, that was destroyed because of sin? Sin and a relationship separates us. Sin wreaks havoc in relationship. Your sin, their sin, third party sin, it doesn't matter. Sin wrecks us. And let me remind you that forgiveness is the act of setting someone free. So there is freedom in our relationships that's found when we are willing to forgive. So who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to set free? Who do you need to be asked to be set free from? Let me ask you this. When you think about forgiveness, what are your terms? What are your conditions? What's the thing that makes it so you can forgive someone else? What do they got to do? How do they earn it? They got to really mean it when they say they're sorry? They got to prove to you that they're not going to do it again? What is it that you require when you're going to forgive someone else? See, we've got this ability that when we sin, we know all the reasons why God should forgive us. When we sin, we know all the reasons why somebody should forgive us. We rationalize it. We didn't mean to do it. We won't do it again. And so in our minds, when we mess up, oh, we deserve a second chance. But when somebody hurts us, when we're the one that's been affected by somebody's sin, man, we we are slow. I can only speak for me. I am slow to offer forgiveness. It's just the way we work. I mean, when I was in college, and uh, and there would be a paper that was due, you knew the date that it was going to be due on, and you miss that date, and you, you know all the reasons. You'd be like, oh, uh, you tell your professor all the reasons why they should let you turn it in and get credit for it, right? Uh, this happened and that happened. And, and it was like, in your mind, all of it makes sense. But I can't think of a single reason why you should be allowed to turn your paper in late. Right? That's just how our mind works. Like We, we forgive ourselves, we, we offer ourselves grace, but when it comes to somebody else, those are the rules, sorry. You know, we're very slow to offer that kind of, uh, of forgiveness, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Let me be, ask you, like when you've been wronged, do you think about reconciliation or do you think about revenge? Say your sister comes in and she takes something out of your closet without asking and she wears it. Are you looking to, to make amends and make peace or are you looking to get even? Somebody at work does something. Uh, are, you looking to, are you looking to forgive them or are you thinking about a way to get them back? Somebody cuts you off on the highway. Are you thinking about grace or are you thinking about 
whatever you might do on the highway when somebody cuts you off, right? What is going through your mind? How active are we about thinking about forgiveness when we've been wronged? Do you want resolution or are you looking for how you might be able to get it even? Right after Jesus finishes this prayer, this Lord's Prayer we've been looking at in Matthew chapter 6, he he gives some commentary on what he just prayed about. So in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus kind of gives some thoughts about this prayer and specifically about the part about forgiveness. He says this in verse 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Right? He says, and in one version it says this, it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Right? Man, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Kevin, are you telling me that God will not forgive me if I don't forgive other people? No. No, I'm not saying that. But I believe that Jesus is. I believe that Jesus is saying that there is a strong connection between your ability to forgive others and your ability to receive forgiveness from God. According to this verse from Jesus, following Jesus' prayer, where he asks, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. One of the things I love about how Jesus phrases this in the prayer is how nonchalant he just drops it in there. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's this level of expectation. As if this is just how normal people live. This is just how we do it, right? People sin against us and we forgive them. It's like Jesus expects it to happen when he knows full well this is not how people live. This is not how people treat one another. But he says it in a way as if it's just expected. In my kingdom, people forgive one another. And this is just how it is. See, Jesus, even in the subtlest ways, is changing everything. I'm drawn to that word, refuse, in verse 15. It gets at the heart of what I sometimes battle with in these situations. Refusal is this idea that that I know what I'm being called to do, but I'm just unwilling to do it. Uh, My son, Jack, he's my youngest. He's in the fifth grade. He plays football. And when he began playing football, he was in the first grade. And go back with me, okay? All the way back there four years ago. So Jack's beginning football practice for the first time, and he's got two weeks in weather like this. In the middle of August, it's hot. And so two weeks of practice every day, right? Five days for that week, practice every day in the heat, a couple hours as a first grader. And uh, man, that, that was overwhelming. Getting used to the shoulder pads, getting used to wearing the helmet, getting used to hitting people, the whole thing. Then Jack began school. So now practice goes to two days a week. And so he goes to school Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. He had practice on that Tuesday. And now it's Thursday. So, so Jack's had school and practice and all these things going on. And so Thursday he comes home from school and he's like, Dad, I don't want to go to practice. And I'm like, you're going to practice. 
all right? And, uh, and so that whole night, as we're prepping and getting ready for practice, to get on his pants and just get ready, it's a fight. I mean, he's really not wanting to go. And Katie had her, like, she teaches preschool, and so Katie was gone. She's going to be doing, like, her first open house with parents at the preschool. So I'm on dad practice duty. And, uh, and everything that we're doing to get ready is a struggle. He's refusing to go. Well, I get him in the car, and we drive over to the practice field and go to get him out of the car so I can get the shoulder pads and the whole deal on and get him out to the practice field. And he is refusing. I mean, he's holding on to the seat. He's, like, got his feet wedged in there. And I finally, I get him out of the car, and I'm getting hot, and I'm getting angry, and I get him out of the car, and I get him down on the ground. And that little guy, God love him, he, uh, he runs around the back end of the car when I get him out on the ground, and he enters the car again from the other side of the car. Oh. So I'll make this short, all right? There's a lot of things that are said under my breath that I can't repeat in here. There's a lot of steam that's rolling off of me, and I finally, let me just paint the picture for you, okay? I am walking from the parking lot to the football field, and I have Jack on my shoulder like a sack of potatoes, and uh, we are going to practice, and I set him down. Jack refused. But we got there, and he did it, and the whole thing. Uh, But I paint this picture for you because I think that when we're called to forgive people, we dig our heels in. There's a level of refusal that we have. I'm not going to do it. You try to make me do it, I'm going to circle back around and I'm going to jump in that car on the other side. But here's the difference. Like, I look like a fool running around chasing my son everywhere doing this. And I know that God pursues us. But God's not chasing you around that car. You don't want to forgive somebody? He's going to let you. You want to sit there and harbor all that hate and all that guilt and all that resentment? He's going to let you. The whole time, he's offering forgiveness. He's offering peace. He's offering restitution. But if you don't want to come and get it, he's not going to go chase you around to get it. See, we were built for relationships, and we are in these relationships together. And Jesus continues to push us to raise the bar on what it means to be in relationship with one another. Ken Witten, a pastor in Tampa, Florida, talks about this, the ramifications of not forgiving one another. And he lays out these four things that he believes happens when we're unwilling to forgive one another. Number one, it disgraces our Heavenly Father. See, we were created in his image, and he is a God of forgiveness. And so when we're unwilling to forgive, it goes against the nature of who God is. Number two, it discourages the church. Uh, When left unresolved, sin and a lack of forgiveness will destroy a local body of believers. Number three, it disgusts the lost. When they don't see Jesus and his values lived out in our lives, that's a big turnoff to those who are outside of Jesus. Number four, it delights the devil. If he can keep us fighting... If he can keep us hurt, if he can keep us distracted, he can keep us off our mission. And our mission is to reach lost people. And he feels like he's winning if he can keep us from doing what it is we've been called to do. 
king concludes with this statement. He says, A church may run out of parking spaces, sanctuary seats, or even money. But may it never be said that a church ran out of forgiveness and grace. It's at the heart of God's story. It's at the heart of why Jesus came. The Apostle Paul, who, spoke, who we spoke about earlier in Romans chapter 12, shares with Christians living in Rome some advice on how they should treat one another. And if you were with us a year ago, I know a lot of you probably weren't, but we went through the entire book of Romans in the fall last year. And the book of Romans is written to a group of people who are divided, who, who come from two different backgrounds and who don't see eye to eye on much. And so Paul addresses this conflict with them. And in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21, this is what he says. He says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friend, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul's instructions here, he, he says, as far as it depends on you, right? right? You can't control what anybody else does. You can only control what you do. And he says, as far as it depends on you, live, live at peace with one another. I mean, who else do you have control over, right? Can you control what your coworker does? No. Can you control even sometimes what your kids do? No, you, you can control what you do. You can control how you respond. You can control what you do. And so our call is to treat everyone with the same love that Jesus would. That's the call. Carrying unforgiveness around, it's a poison. It's bondage. And let me remind you, forgiveness is the act of setting someone free. Whether it's God forgiving us or us forgiving someone or someone forgiving us, right? It doesn't really matter. There is freedom in forgiveness. And so this morning, as we think about this message, as we think about this section of the prayer specifically, I've got some action steps that I want you to consider. The first one is this. Have you personally experienced the forgiveness that is found only in Jesus? We as a church here at White Oak are offering a thing called baptism conversations. And it's on August 26th. We're doing it via Zoom. And you can register for it on our website. And what we're trying to do is help people get a picture of what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And so if that's a next step that you need to take, if you want to find out more about what forgiveness in Jesus looks like, man, we would love to talk to you about that. You can sign up on our website, the WOCC.com. Go there and find, there's a graphic that says baptism conversation, and you can register. Chris, our pastor, and Ross and myself would love to have a conversation with you about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Second thing I want to challenge you on is to just consider 
who it is that you need to forgive. We all harbor resentment, and we all have someone that we need to offer forgiveness to. Maybe we need to reconnect with that person that hurt you. Could just start with a text message. I just want you to think about who, who that person is and what steps you need to take to let it go. To, to offer that freedom that comes only through forgiving. And I know, man, you've probably been hurt. I, that I couldn't imagine maybe what somebody's done to you. But carrying that around with you, that burden, is toxic. And God calls us to let it go. And the third thing is, who is it that we need to ask forgiveness from? We've all messed up, and sometimes we just need to own it. You know, some of the hardest words to ever say is, I'm sorry. And there's somebody, intentionally or unintentionally, that you've hurt. And they got upset and, and you didn't feel like it was your fault. Maybe you felt like that it wasn't that big of a deal. But maybe you just need to connect with somebody. And say, you know what, I'm really sorry. And I want to make this right. So I'm asking you to consider a relationship with Jesus and your relationship with others. Who it is that you need to forgive who it is that you need to ask forgiveness from. And not just thinking about it. I want you to hear me here. What are the steps that you need to take? What's the action you need to do coming out of this message? I want to read over for you just this prayer that Jesus prays. And I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes as we, as we just listen to the words of the Lord's Prayer. And may they give you direction as you think about what it is you're being called to do. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. God, I thank you so much for today, for this morning, for the opportunity that we have to gather together and to worship you, God. But I just pray that your words would sink into our hearts, that we would recognize that we have access to forgiveness through your son Jesus God and that we would turn around and we would offer forgiveness to those who need it God thank you for the freedom that comes only through your son it's in Jesus name that we pray amen